We spend far too much time worried about what makes us different than the next person or better than the next person and not enough time thinking about why we should respect the next person. We all have a story, an overarching theme that runs through our lives and makes us who we are. The problem is, we think that since each of our stories is different, there's not a lot of perceived value or shared struggle. But we have far more in common than we can imagine, and what motivates one person can certainly help us as well. The Third Lab Podcast is about understanding, respecting, and appreciating the struggle that it takes to overcome immeasurable odds in order to reach your destiny. Join me as I interview and bond with some of the most inspiring and incredible people, diving into their why to get a full understanding of their being. Without each other, we have nothing. So let's go on this adventure together and take on the future with open minds and open hearts. Welcome to the Third Lap Podcast. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Happy Third Lap Friday, specifically. Here again with another episode, this time pulling up with the homie, man, Latasha Stone. Uh, Latasha is just an all-around incredible human being. Uh, She's a mother, black woman, educator, just straight-up rock star. Can't wait to really get into her story and get a chance to just myself learn more about Stone and the work that she's done and ultimately what she'd like to do moving forward. But Stone, what's up, man? Anything I missed in regards to the introduction? What's up, Mom? No, I think I think you pretty much summed it up. I like that rock star. I should add, I'm gonna add that to my my <laughs> resume. Um, sorry, hold on, these kids. Let's stop recording. Listen, go back upstairs. I'm at work. Go back upstairs, Malcolm. I'm sorry. See, you see that? You should have got that actually, Malcolm. I didn't stop recording. Oh shoot! <laughs> see, go upstairs. I'm sitting up here being professional. <laughs> Um, but yeah, rock star, um, mama, auntie, uh, all that. All that. Yeah. So Stone, uh, so how we know each other, uh, we actually know each other from work. So I met Stone pretty much when I started here at KIPP in Philadelphia. She was one of the first school leaders I interacted with, um, and then ultimately had the pleasure of working with her and her colleague, uh, Sean Tucker, what's up, Tuck, uh, really last year through the hiring season. And so it was just great to work with you um, and see you really from like that first sort of virtual interview where it seemed like you were still figuring it out as we went to like the last one where, I mean, I was really just allowing you all to run it and, and facilitate back to me when it was time for me to talk. And so, you know, just to see that development and like you developing your talent mindset like i'm excited to see what's next for you as like a school leader because seeing you go through the hiring i know you could do it um but yeah so we work together anything you want to add about like how we know each other yeah malcolm i mean i feel like we started working more directly together last year but i had seen you i was like yo this brother is really dope like i would really like to get to know him like uh you didn't I come across as who I am to most folks, um, but you were unbothered um, by me <laughs> in my presence. And I was like, okay, he's sturdy, you know, he's, he's solid. Um, and so it was like, I definitely felt good um, being able to work directly with you and just get a better understanding of your story and how you approach talent. You know, you have many people who are in your seat who don't take the job seriously of um, choosing folks who are then going to go teach our future, be in front of our black and brown students. But you definitely, in conversations with you, understand the importance of getting a holistic educator, not just somebody who knows content well or can deliver instruction well. You think about all those intangibles that make a teacher uh, or an educator a great educator. Yeah, I appreciate that. And now I was I was unbothered. I mean, you're authentic. Like when I first met you the first time, you are who you present yourself to be. And I appreciate that. Right. Like the one thing I hate doing is trying to like filter through who the person is presenting themselves as to figure out who they really are. I much rather st- I step to the table as I am. And, you know, that's kind of like what I expect in return. And so that's why we hit it all right. early because yeah, that's too much like to keep it, keep up with, you, you know, know? 
I mean, when I was 25, maybe, but now where I am in my career, like, nah, I'm good. I, I would much rather be me. Um, and yeah, the talent mindset, I appreciate that too. You have to take the job seriously. You know, the people that we hire are going to walk in front of our kids. I'm from West Philadelphia. So, you know, anybody that's going to represent and be in front of our kids and our community um, has to have the right mentality. And plus, I know, I remember the first interview we did where uh, the dude that didn't get to the next phase, and I remember the feedback. <laughs> I remember the feedback I got from you, and I was like, okay, I got to do better. <laughs> I'm like, if that's a Trump support, if I ever heard one, <laughs> no, 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 not in here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's funny you mentioned West Philly, because I feel like that was the first real conversation you and I had. I said, you know what, Where where is he from? And you said West, I'm like, oh, I'm from North Philly, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's how we, we really started to get into it. Yeah, everybody hears my my accent and assumes I'm from New York. I lived in New York, but I'm from West. I'm from 40th and Lancaster, real close to the bottom. You know, if you know anything about West, you know what that is. But um, but yeah, so perfect transition. Rep your hood, man. So you already said where you from, but I, I gotta let you go hard for your hood because I know you do. So rep your hood, Stone. Where you from? I already know. I'm from North Philly. Gratz in Dolphin, 19th in Dolphin, with the elementary school at 22nd in Dolphin, middle school 26th in Cumberland. Um, I didn't go to my neighborhood school. I did go to Girls High, but I rep North Philly all day long. Um, it's such an honor and a privilege to have been born and raised and still currently live in North Philly. Um and work and impact this community every single day. Like, it's certainly yeah. an honor um, because most people get their papers and roll out. Yeah. Um, but I knew from the start of my career I wanted to get my papers and stay. Um, and so, yeah, North Philly, all day. All, all day. day. Yeah, <laughs> all day. Uh, and so I wasn't the least bit surprised when I found out you was from down north. Uh, just because of the vibe and then finding out, you know, we'll get into your story. So I won't like dive too deep into it, but seeing kids that you had taught coming to the middle school and, you know, being from West, I mean, I ain't really run around North Philly like that. Cause you know, you, they know you're not from North. Right. And so like, right. it's the same in West. And so most of my time was West Southwest, but starting to work for Kit was the first time I'm going in North Philadelphia. And like, I got family and people from over there. So people just hitting me to it. I'm like, okay, but I see how you, handled and conducted yourself and how the kids responded to you. And I'm like, this is why it's so important for our students to see people that look like them in front of them, right? And and even to see your trajectory, which again, we'll get into of starting off teacher, LTF, but now leadership and like, they know anything is possible. And so, you know, I love the fact that, like you said, you got your papers and you dug in and you raised your son right there, right? And now he's going off to do incredible things. So um, awesome, shout outs to North Philly. Uh, yes. She like she said, she ain't go to high school in North Philly, so she ain't keep it all all the way. She like ninety two. All the way. I had to go get something <laughs> a little different, but I know where home at. Listen, that's a fact. All right, Stone. So perfect. I mean, so listen. You know, I would love to really just jump in at this point. You know, we we'll talk about a lot of different things, but more than anything, we'd just love to hear where did your career start? You know, um, how did you identify? the career pathway and what you find yourself on currently was the right one for you. It's so crazy because I never wanted to be a teacher or work in education. Like ever. I wanted to go be an actress. I was going to go move to New York. I, I wanted to be in entertainment. I was going to work for Diddy. I had like, or I was going to be like even better than Wendy Williams on the radio. I was not met kids. But bye, I was not about that. Um, but I got pregnant uh, when I was 19. Um, and I needed, I was like, dang, I'm going to be a mom. I need some money. Um, and the only job that hired me was an after school program, um, Education Works. They still around here in the city. Um, and I fell in love with it. Um, I loved my kids. And I got the job when I was seven months pregnant. Um, helping them with their homework. I really just loved all aspects of it. Um, and then when I went into labor at work, because I said, I'm going to stay with my kids. Um, they love me. Uh, my kids, they wrote me letters. Um, and I think that's when I was like, wow, like this is 
this is where I need to be. Because I always knew I wanted to impact people. I love people. I wanted to change lives. I knew I loved my community and my hood. I just didn't have an avenue, whether that was me being on TV and shouting out my hood um, or what I later found out was me working um, within education, all aspects of education um, and doing it through there. So I stayed with Education Works while there. I went back to school because I had like dropped out of college. Um, I went back to school. First, I did community. Then I did Chestnut Hill. Um, got my undergrad degree while there. Um, in education, went to numerous trainings in the OST out of school time field because I really love that field as well too, and how it just enriches everything that we do in the classroom and like accounts for the whole child. Um, so led went from after school program, just worker to after school program director, camp director. Um, I worked at Vox High School, Reynolds Elementary Middle School, which is closed now. And Germantown High School was the last school I was at before I eventually left um, and went on to another charter organization to kind of start um, my career as a teacher assistant and I would say that first year was definitely hard um when I worked at uh mastery just simply because I knew all the things that I learned textbook style I knew my experience from after school and it just always was something missing it was like you know it's no balance. And I think that's always my argument when I'm talking about education in a classroom, like there has got to be a balance. Um, because it was driving me crazy. I am a human being. I want to have fun doing this. I know this can be fun. Um, but I don't want to be a robot. Um, I want kids to, and students to understand their power. And I think that's my philosophy. I've always taken into this work. Like I am only one um, link in their life. I'm only one link. And so I need to make sure the link or the seed that I impart in their garden is good. I have to be so many different things in order to ensure that that happens. I can't be stuck in one mindset, one mind frame. I have to constantly work to learn, work to grow, work to fail, um, and just to be better for them because they deserve it. You know, there was a lot of people who did that for me. Um, a lot of people who put it all on the line essentially to, to see me become successful because I certainly was a hot mess. Even joining KIPP my first year as a, uh, teacher fellow like I was I certainly was a hot mess and I'm still a hot mess now as a leader when I think about it all together I think I'm just grateful for for all the kids that I've been able to touch and learn from um I've learned so much from my students about who I am as a woman who I am as an educator and a mom um I learned more from them than I did any textbook that I had um in school because they're going to give it to you real. Next up is their parents. They're going to give it to you <laughs> real. The kids, the parents, then your administrators and your directors of this. Um, so I always wanted to make sure I passed their tests um, because that's the test that matters um, most to me. I think I kind of went all over the place, Malcolm. Um, you no, know I get no. emotional when I start talking about my kids and the work. No, that was perfect. And I agree 100% with you about the parents and the students being the test. That's why I love middle school, because like middle school kids, high schoolers keep it real with you, too. But they also want to be real cool. And like they trying mm -hmm. to figure themselves. They want to be adults. Middle schoolers are kids and they are raw and they are reckless. Um, and they will tell you exactly how they feel. And it's a great opportunity. What you mentioned, which is also like learning to fail, right? And in that opportunity of being vulnerable and making those mistakes, 
you can learn so much from the students as well. You should be learning. That's what the cultural competence piece is, right? It's like you're from North, but I'm sure you learn a ton of stuff about your kids and their backgrounds and where they're from. Um, and y'all hail from the same place. So, no, that was great. And so you mentioned that you initially had dropped out before you started doing like the OST programs. And so what were you initially like? What were you initially going to college for? I changed that major so many times. <laughs> I went from, I started out with communications as a theater major. Okay. Um, then I think I went to like some sad like workshop or something. I was like, no, I need to be a social worker. Um, that lasted maybe for a semester. Um, yeah, so those were the two two things I focused on. I did minor in psychology, I've always loved psychology, yep. um, but communication. So I have a bunch of music credits that will never get used <laughs> <laughs> at all. Uh, it's good to like whip out in the party, like some music history. But <laughs> other than that, they ain't getting used <laughs> at all. You're listening to the Third Lap Podcast with Mal Davis. Yeah. Um, I said, OK, so you went. You said you were a teaching associate at Mastery learned a lot of valuable lessons there. And so after mastery is when you transition to Kip. Yeah. And it's like, it's so odd. Like I didn't, I, I think the beginning of my year can be like described with one word, like fear, right? Like I was unhappy at mastery, but I was willing to stay just to see my dream. Like I didn't, um, so I was, I had applied for a lead teaching position there, um, didn't get it. Um, I had already taken a pay cut to come there because I knew I needed the experience in the classroom. Um, they offered me like a 50 cent raise to stay. I was like, wait, I can, I'm barely surviving now. I have my son. Like, I would love to stay. Like, I really do want to be a teacher. I made this financial thing work for one, one year because I thought, you know, next year I've proven myself. Um, but they said they had gotten more applicants who were more, um, qualified than I. Um, and so I started my job search. Uh, I had applied to TFA, Philadelphia Teaching Fellows. I applied to like so many places and I definitely said a little special prayer when I applied to KIPP. Um, and only because the year before my son was entering kindergarten, the year before I had applied for him to go to KPEA, which is the elementary school for kindergarten. And I said, if I can get in here, like I felt good enough to send my son there. So I know it definitely probably is a good place to work. Um, and I got the interview. Um, I read up on the, at the time it was called co-teacher, um, the co-teacher program. And I just loved how it described your first year of teaching being supportive. Because um, I saw those girls in mastery that was first year, like, crying their eyes out. Like, I knew I wasn't going to be crying and showing nobody I'm crying or nothing. But I definitely didn't want to go home and, like, be stressed out or feel like I can't do it. Because, again, like, I, I just am so fearful of everything that's at stake for our kids. Um, so I was like, dang, they're going to really help you be successful because we all hear the stories of the teachers who are five and done and then head to the county. I never wanted to do that ever, ever, ever. Um, and so I got the job. I was definitely a late hire. Um, it was in the beginning of May or right before Memorial Day, um, because I remember my interview day. It was a heat wave. It was like 98 degrees. Um, and I'm sitting up there and it's dressed up like I definitely was a sweaty mess. I had caught the bus um, and I'll never forget Ben Spiker. I always be grateful to him for that. I think in the interview going good, you know, I held up my facade for as long, you know, my interview smile. Um, and he said, you know, I just have to ask, you know, you're already established at Mastery. Um, why would you want to come here? And I kind of just broke down the heat in the room. They had the doors closed. It was sweating. I was like, listen, all right, here's the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. And I was like, these people ain't going to hire me. You done got real, real in there. I said, you know, they got other people who are, uh, I'm talking to him like he my homie from up the street. Um, 
and if anybody knows Ben, like he's very straightforward, like clean cut. Um, and even in my interview, like I had made the kids vote on what book they wanted me to read. I was like, I don't think this is how the interview process was supposed to go, but um, I did it and I got the job. And ever since then, I've been truly grateful to to Ben for giving me my first opportunity um, to be myself in this profession where I didn't really see a lot of me's in there. And it was several people within the organization and outside that um, kept reminding me to be me, be yourself. Um, there was a lot of folks who who didn't encourage that. Um, and I've also learned, I'm grateful for those lessons as well, but for those people who reminded me to be myself, like I'm forever grateful for them because because I got that permission, I was able to give that permission to my students and to my families, to the families that I serve. Um, yeah. That is just incredible. And it really just speaks to the importance of people being able to show up and be themselves in the workplace, but especially teachers, right? Because so much of what we do as educators is modeling for our students what we want them to do. And if we're not showing up as our best selves and as our authentic selves, we're not modeling for them how to do that either. And, you know, kids can sniff a, a, a disingenuous person out miles away. Hello. They know. <laughs> they know. Families know. You know what I mean? And really, your colleagues know, too. You know, we've both served with people in this work where we just knew they were showing up for a check and eventually they stopped showing up. Like every single person that's been, I'm here for a check, stopped showing up at some point. And um, that's what I think. Wait, I'd be like, how sad you got to be because right. we ain't in the business of making a whole bunch of money. Yeah, and not. So how sad you have to be as a person to, mm. to um, damage kids' lives. Right. In order to 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 make your pockets fatter, good night. Like you right. are in the way. <laughs> <laughs> you are in our way. Like there are definitely folks who are really trying to do the work and just get out the way. Um, I think that's where I'm at now. Just get out my. I don't even want to try to educate you or get out the way. Right. Um, yeah, we in the same place with that one. It's like you know, get out the way. It's fine if you if you don't want to be here. I'm at that point now. Okay, I respect that. Like there are mm-hmm. other occupations and careers that you can have that might be more fulfilling, but don't take the seat of from a person that really wants to do this to to not show up as your best self and not give all the effort that you can. Um, that's always frustrated me about people in general, but with education, you know, these are children's minds that we're shaping. Like we aren't making like car parts, right? Like mm-hmm. if you don't show up for your car part job, that sucks. I mean, the, the car parts might not be made as well, but it's, that's a different sort of line of work. Um, right. And so always want to make sure that people are being very acutely aware of what they're doing when they're in the presence of our kids because the kids pick up on everything. Um, and so, Stone, for you, you mentioned that you were able for the first time to be able to show up as your authentic self. Shout outs to Ben um, and his staff. Talk to us, though. I feel like a lot of people that may listen to this show might be headed into their first year of teaching. I've already spoken to some teachers on here and we'll talk to plenty more, I'm sure. And they've everyone talks about that first year, some first three years, right? And so talk to us about that early spot in, at KIPP. So you left Mastery, found this home at KIPP where you can be yourself. You can really, you're being encouraged by certain people to be yourself. What did that feel like? And then ultimately, how did that manifest itself inside your classroom? Again, I feel like everything was definitely fortunate. Um, we had a, a conference my first year before we taught kids. And somebody who had been in education for a long time told me, I was like, what advice? Like, I'm very green. What advice you got for me? I'm going into my first year of teaching. And they were like, it's going to suck. It's going to suck like hell. You ain't going to like it. You're going to cry. Like, I'm talking about told me not one positive thing. I was like, well, damn, I, you know, I know how to cut out construction paper and stencils. I done found all my clip arts to decorate my classroom. And you want to tell me it's going to suck. But I think that was the best advice I could get 
um, because I think a lot of first year teachers come in with this uh, preconceived notion that we are going to change the world and we will, but it doesn't happen overnight. And when you come in your first year, you have to be humble and ready to fail, like big time, ready to fail. That doesn't mean don't speak up, but definitely come from a point of asking a ton of questions because a lot of people who have been in the game for a long time are doing stuff now strictly off muscle memory. It's not to slight you. It's not that they aren't keeping up with the latest research. Um, It is truly because they are operating off muscle memory and that muscle memory has saved them a lot of stress. And so that's what they know. And so I would say at least for the first five years, operate from a standpoint of constant reflection and humbleness. Um, Tackle everything um, with a question and question it. And, And don't just ask other teachers because some of my best advice has come from the janitor in my school, the woman that sits at the front desk, um, the people who work in the cafeteria, those are the people who are going to have your back, especially in your first year, because they done seen them crash and burn. Um, and so if you build that relationship with them, they don't want to see you crash and burn. They're going to help you out. Um, and so that's yeah, that's what I would say. I would say the, the, the janitor, the folks working in the cafeteria holding, they're going to make sure you have a lunch when you forgot to bring your lunch and they're going to drop some knowledge on you and push. They probably went to school with the kid who mom, who you having the most trouble with and can drop a little knowledge and and have your back, you know, when you're trying to have tough conversations with families. And so I would say constantly stay humble. You are not your title and you are not above anyone just because you have that degree. And, and the state gave you a certificate that said, yeah, you can stand up there and tell people how, how to, uh, simplify fractions. Who gives a crap? Right. Um, yeah. I think one of the biggest, and you mentioned like those, those preconceived misconceptions, one of the biggest ones for, teachers graduating you just named it is that because you have this degree and you have this certification that you own that classroom right so you step in there and like take ownership of said classroom that classroom belongs to those kids bro mm-hmm. and it is mm-hmm. your job to corral the energy of those students move it in the same direction and hold each other accountable in the process but something that i've seen and heard time and time again really from like recent college graduates is this assumption that what I learned in this book, like I'm going to walk in and like implement these lesson plans and it's going to be amazing and everybody's going to pay attention and love it. And like you said, that first year is like, nah, like mm-hmm. you you have so many things that you still have to learn and the advice that you gave. And I hope people really heed it around the cafeteria workers talking to security, um, getting to know, like I, every time I'm in the school, I'm talking to Ennis in the office, right? Like, you know, I learned from a very early point in my career that you treat everybody the same, right? Exactly. Like, I'm not going to treat Walker any different than I treat Ennis or I treat the clean team, right? Because we're all human beings. We're all in this work together. And like you said, they nine times out of 10, if I was in a situation, they knew the parent, right? Mm-hmm. They had it. They was, oh, Mr. Davis, let me jump in real quick. And crisis de-escalated almost immediately. Um, And so, you know, I love what you said about just staying humble, asking questions. So for you, what were some of those questions that you asked? So you you alluded to the fact that you were asking some like really poignant questions. You were able to seek out the advice and guidance of different people throughout those five, first five years or so. Were there specific areas that you struggled that you felt like you had to address on your own? And if so, what were they? It was definitely... So I always like knew I wanted the kids to have the ownership in the classroom and like, but I think one thing that I had to come to realize was just the importance of being organized and having systems in place. Like, and I'm by nature, not a good systems person. Like 
I wake up, I don't have like a to-do list that I want to do. You know, my life as I operate as Tasha is very different, different from the way I operate as Miss Stone. Um, and I realize that the more you are organized within your space, the more successful your kids are. Like it just naturally flows. The area I struggled with the most, and I think a lot of um, educators of color struggle with the most, is we come into this work because we didn't see a lot of folks like us teaching us. And so we get into it for the heart. Um, we in it to do the heart work. And what we neglect to do, where I see some of us falling short, is that we um, we don't acknowledge the science because there is a science to this work. Um, and fortunately for me, I had a lot of good coaches that allowed me or helped me see the the power and the benefit of digging into that science of instructing and learning and even my content areas and like really nerd out on it. I'm to the point now where I would love to have a three hour conversation about idioms and allegory. Like it really makes me excited to be able to do that because the way idioms and allegory was explained to me was boring AF, right? But I know the way I understand it now, I can explain it to get a kid excited to want to integrate that into their writing to better understand a text. You know, that's powerful. And that's the reason why we need teachers like us, teachers of color, to really get more into the science behind education um, because it's 10 times more impactful. You will be 10 times more impactful um, in your classrooms and in your spaces once you get that. It's not all about them seeing a black or brown face and being able to relate to you and dap you up or um I don't even know I'm getting old my I don't even know well the kids they flow with me with whatever way I, I I give them uh props but it's more to that if I can do that and break down simplifying these fractions for you baby I'm winning I'm winning and I am um how can I say this I'm equivalent to my white counterparts because they want to come with their data and their data is going to speak volumes. But if I got the data behind me and my relationships, baby, stand back, stand back. I know what I'm doing and I belong here on every single level, every single level. Yeah, the science, it, that's 100, right? Like, and I remember my interview, shouts out to Jill, uh, the managing director of talent. And so in my phone interview with her before I started with Kip, she asked me, basically what are my thoughts on like the the art of recruitment but also the science right and like you said in my personal life I'm wild disorganized professionally got it all in a row personally I don't know what a checklist is ain't never had one um but what I realized is what you said is that the art component being able to talk being able to relate being able to build those relationships is important but if you don't have that data if you can't prove that what you do transfers to something like real life outcomes it doesn't matter um and so yeah i encourage i encourage everybody to get behind the science of teaching because there's so much that you can learn and now that we're in this virtual world it's mad technological advancements you can take advantage of that ultimately will help your kids because there's so many different learning modalities that you have to address anyway. You're listening to the Third Lap Podcast with Mal Davis. Yeah. This is Mal Davis with the Third Lap Podcast. I'm here with Latasha Stone talking about her path to where she is in her career. And so Stone, you talked about teaching for those five years, all the lessons that you learned, all the that evolution of yourself involving the science and also the art form of building relationships so you aren't teaching now though right like you're you're now a school leader being developed by isaiah walker and and what was happening at kppa so talk to us you know what led to that transition from being a classroom teacher ultimately making that leap into becoming a school building administrator i went dragging my feet quite honestly, because again, I said I never wanted to be five and done. And especially working in a charter world, it's even faster, right? Like I've seen people come in and teach for two years, go into leadership, 
Um, and I'm like, that well, girl, how you learn? You know, I went to school in the school district. All my teachers was old. They had done been there for 25 years. You know, I'm thinking that's how it's supposed to be. I was looking at everybody um, like they was crazy. And I think it was after one year in particular. It was a hard year for me, um, hard class. And I just realized how small my impact was. And, like, it was the year where um, we had lost, like, four black men in a summer. It was, like, July to police violence, like, broadcasting. I was just like, this is not happening fast enough. Like, I have got to do something different. And I hated the idea of going into leadership. I was like, I love the kids. I don't even like adults that much. But I was already doing it informally. You know what I mean? Like, I was staying after school until 7 o'clock powwowing with my coworkers. Um, we practicing and bouncing ideas off of each other. Iron sharpening iron. We was we, I was already doing it. And so when the opportunity presented itself again, for me to go into leadership, I would I was scared as hell. Um, because to me that's a big deal. That's almost like becoming a parent. Um, or deciding to become pregnant. You know, you I took my impact or the lives I touched from 30 to now 180. I'm the AP of fifth and sixth grade, 180, then times that by two their families you get what i'm saying and so that was that was major for me and not a decision um i took lightly and i'm a student at heart so i always want to master the test i felt like i hadn't mastered teaching i was still learning i was still on my way to becoming a great teacher um no matter how good i was i was still learning um and if you think you're done learning, get out the business. That's another thing. Get out the business if you think you're done. But yeah, I I still feel very humbled to sit in this seat. And I um I still go in the classroom and teach. I beg my teachers almost, I beg one of them once a week to let me come in the classroom and teach. Um, because again, and especially now, because this is a great time to be an educator. I told you, like, I'm like a nerd, like to teach in this historic moment in a pandemic where everybody is virtually and we have to learn faster 10 times. Like we have to be even better than we naturally are in the classroom. So I do teach in the classroom at least once a week or once every other week because I want to stay sharp. I want to know what my teachers are experiencing because how else am I supposed to nurture them and coach them if I don't experience it for myself. And like, shout out to every teacher who is teaching virtually. It is hard. It is hard. Don't let nobody else tell you different. Um, it is true. My first class I did, I was humbled. All my little tips and tricks I did in the classroom was not working. I'm telling you, kids was turning off videos left and right, coming off mute when they wasn't to. It took me a while to get my feet. Um, so this is definitely... Um, this is year two leading, but I would say year one teaching again. Like, it's definitely a a, a good um, experience. And so talk to us a little bit about your approach to leadership. So you mentioned that your impact goes up in like at scale, right? So you step away from that classroom. And so you had your 30 kids. Now you're at 180 kids and then 360 when, you know, or more people potentially, including families, and just seeing you in the building, I mean, I've seen students that you taught in elementary school run up to you as the AP in middle school um, and check in with you, right? And so what are you teaching your teachers about the art and the science of this so that you're ensuring that when five, maybe 10 years down the road, when they're reflecting and maybe doing a podcast like this, that they're talking about Latasha Stone is the reason why they were able to develop the way that they were. So what, what are you looking to download into them so that you're making sure they're making the right deposits into your students? Um, definitely making sure that they have the right mindset and are, are adopting that, um, that reflective mindset. You have to constantly be in a state of reflection 
after you end every class, you should constantly be thinking, okay, what can I do differently? Or how did this go? What do I want to take with me? Um, when you start getting into um, saying things like these kids or they didn't do, like that's because they're kids they're, and they're kids for a reason. At the end of the day, you're still the adult and there's always something that we can do. Um, again, we never stop learning. And so I think that's one of the most important things. And also getting them to recognize how powerful they are. And it's hard, right? Because this field is definitely underappreciated for the work that we do. And so I really just want to always make my teachers feel like they are appreciated and understand how powerful they are every time they step in front of a kid. They are shaping attitudes, mindsets, as well as imparting knowledge. And so that's one of the major keys for me. And to constantly push them as well, too. And push them to push me, right? Um, and I, I feel like that's something I also did with my students in my classroom. Like, make me earn my paycheck. That's one of my lines. Make me earn my paycheck. If, when you don't ask me questions, I'm not getting better. You know, I'm sitting up here just earning for free. So, like, make me earn my paycheck. And so that's a major thing. Know how powerful they are every time they step in front of students. And to understand that there is always work to be done. Now, that can be definitely tiring for some. Like, dang, she making us do this again? Or, dang, yeah, come on. Like, we teachers, we got energy for days. Get you some coffee, get a Red Bull, let's get it popping. Because the kids don't get tired. At all. At all. <laughs> so we definitely can't get tired. Right. We got to have 10 times more energy to them with older bones and older muscles. Right. You Absolutely. Know? And so, Stone, you... Thank you for really, you know, walking us through your trajectory. Like, it's been dope, man. You know, hearing from the very beginning at 19, pregnant with Chris and like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, it got, right. it's really real right now. Like, let me figure this out. And ending up with what I would say has, has got to have been just a crazy rewarding career in education. I remember last year before COVID, we had one of our happy hours and, you were asked to talk and that was the first time I knew that you were LTF and hearing you talk about your career starting as an LTF to where you are and really at the end like you started to tear up and I'm standing here like oh she cries I'm crying yo like if she cries right now I'm crying yo and like this has been so moving and so powerful to hear and just why I've been from the moment we first started connecting around being from Philly all the way to today on this podcast, I've just been so thrilled to work with you because I get a chance to learn from you constantly. Um, you know, you continue to help me understand just this work in a different way. Um, and I appreciate you for it. And, you know, I continue to look forward to you ultimately becoming a, a leader and a principal um, and having your own staff that you shape and able to command the building yourself and, and really drive that change um, and to have gone from, like you said, seeing this impact in one classroom to being able to impact an entire building. You know, I, I hope that you're proud of the work that you've done and continue to stay humble. But know that, like, yo, we see you, man. And, and I'll sing your praises every opportunity that I get, Stone, for sure. And so, you know, Stone, um, this wouldn't be the third lap podcast. Huh? You're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> But this wouldn't be the third lab podcast if we didn't also talk about, and you've alluded to some of them, touched on some, but I would love if there's anything that you would want to name around difficulties. Um, I'm sure being pregnant at 19 and having to figure out your life, being a black woman, like you said, and, and uh, a very authentic, straightforward black woman who she's herself, right, hasn't probably been easy professionally either. And so would love if you would just touch on some of the difficulties that you've had to overcome just to get to where you are. You know, we heard how it ended and we get to see potentially what's going to happen for you next. But what are some of the things that you, you had to overcome? I would say definitely owning my identity. And I've always owned it, but I've never quite felt comfortable in it. Like, 
I'll I own it because that's the right thing to do. You know what I mean? Like a lot of my professional career, I was fortunate enough to serve under strong black women. I worked at an organization, Yo Cap, Linda Burnett, strong black woman. Education Works, Dana Griffith was my supervisor, strong black woman. It wasn't until I went into the school time work where I experienced white leaders, leaders who were white. And I think that was the major shock for me, how a lot of things I said, the way I wore my hair. I'm always a big hoop girl. Feedback on my earrings. Like, I, you know, and not acknowledging the heart and the passion that I brought to the work. Even in knowing I'm supposed to be there deep in my heart, but still questioning and wanting to feel confident, but never quite like um fortunately enough I had Betsy Lawson who was my first AP she was white but I remember one thing she told me I was like up talking like crazy teaching this lesson she was like wait stop we didn't hire you to talk like that we hired you because of who you are um so be yourself Danielle Cooper Williams who was my AP for three years constantly every coach in me and reminded me that I needed to be there because I was just constantly questioning I never want to be in the business of destroying kids I'm like maybe I'm not not the right person for this like constantly my my current school leader constantly reminding me that I'm supposed to be in these spaces and I'm in these spaces because I'm the voice for my kids you know it's folks like that Ivana my former school leader reminding me to to feel my feelings um because that's who I am you know I bring my whole self into this work I can't um shut that off just because I'm talking about data or I'm talking about you know which novel we're going to choose I gotta bring that um and so I don't know if I answered the question Mal I definitely but you see I'm all about my feelings uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm definitely feeling it but yeah the, that was the challenge and, and and especially I thought I mastered it until I became a leader in a black woman leading that is a scary position to be in because you definitely get undermined at every turn and questioned at every turn not just from your supervisors but from the folks who who you supervise um and question even you being there and needing to in order for that coach coachee relationship to work there needs to be trust and it took me a while to build some trust and knock down some barriers and i would say both ways because I've had some things said to me that I thought would never have been said to me. Stereotypes said to me about where I'm from, naming I'm from North Philly, about my education, not even knowing, you know, everybody don't know how many degrees I got. I got three, uh, but I don't go around saying that. But the fact that I needed to to validate my, or like have a second stamp from somebody else to prove that I'm supposed to be here. I think that was one of the things that hurt me, quite honestly, the most. But thank God I had folks in my corner um, that pushed me to do more. I just had a conversation with Tiffany the other day, not even realizing that I needed to have that conversation to be to feel affirmed again that, yes, you are doing the right thing. You are supposed to be here. Yeah, so we definitely got to hold each other down with that because I often find myself Yo, you should have that conversation because somebody had that conversation with you. Pull that coattail. Go pull that coattail because right. don't let that slip. Nobody did that but you. Right. Somebody was there for you. Pay it forward. You're listening to the Third Lap Podcast with Mal Davis. Yeah. So I just wanted to, you mentioned Tiff, Tiffany Holmes, wanted to shout her out. Cool. Uh, you mentioned Ivana um, and Lawson, who I don't know. But I wanted to shout out all of those folks. Um, yeah, well, Isaiah as well. Yeah, of yeah. course. You, come on. Now you know Isaiah going to hear this. So guy. you know I cannot shout out Isaiah. My phone would have been ringing. Like, listen, brother, I heard it and you ain't shout me out. Um, But no, shout out to all of them because I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, like I said, I didn't work with Lawson, but everyone else that you named, I've been fortunate enough to like 
work with and learn from um, and all just amazing leaders, right? And all people that encourage you to be your best self and coach you on how to do it correctly though, right? Like those two things is, is having that support in place too, which is amazing. Um, and so, you know, I just want to affirm as well, Stone, you are where you're supposed to be and you'll ultimately end up where you're supposed to go. Um, and all the things that you've accomplished, like you worked hard as hell to get those things done. So can't nobody take that away from you. Um, and so, you know, again, this is Miles Davis with the Third Lab Podcast here talking to Latasha Stone about just her real awesome career and education so far. And so, Stone, you know, uh, what what is your motivation? You've accomplished so many things. We sort of know where you're headed next as far as like leadership. But what motivates you to just keep going? You know, you you've stepped away from the classroom into leadership now. Uh, what keeps you pushing? I would definitely say, number one, my son, um, he, like, looking at him, I know, like, I I want this world to be dope for him, you know? Like, thank God I only had one. I think I would lose my mind if I had more than one, just the worry that runs through a mother's body. Um, but my families, you know, when I got a lead teaching position, from an LTF position, my family celebrated with me. They were happy. I'm t- When I tell you they brought me a cake and they know I love fried chicken, somebody brought me fried chicken to the classroom. Um, when they found out I was going to be an assistant principal, they celebrated with me. My kids and my family celebrated with me. And so, again, they are my, they have the ultimate test the ultimate deciding factor. They will let me know when you slipping and they have. Yo, Miss Stone, I don't I don't know about that right there. You 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 tripping a little bit. And the kids as well. And I welcome that feedback because I'm a I'm a serve I'm so I'm a servant to them. I provide a service. Um and in that you constantly have to be humble and willing to pivot to provide what is needed. I'm not telling them what they need. They already know what they need. They live in their own life. You get what I'm saying? I know I got some good stuff over here. I'm going to try to convince you about it. But ultimately, you know what you need, Um, even the kids. And so, yeah, that's what keeps me going. The service aspect, my son and the kids and the families. Like, because this work is not done. No matter how far we come, this work is not done. Um. And I gotta leave it better. I'm not. I I, I ain't tired, and I, I don't plan on getting tired no time soon. So. Nah, no way. With the energy you have, I don't see you getting tired anytime soon. Um, and, and I'm glad to hear it because you know, we we need you. Um, and a lot of times we end up folks like ourselves who super service minded and service oriented tend to stay in the classroom for good, right? Because we don't ever want to leave our families in the communities in which we serve. And it's just, again, just a testament to how amazing and what a rock star you are, that like your family's celebrated with you along the way. And shout out to Chris. Shout out to Mikey, too. Um, yeah. Because that's my man. I, I miss Mikey, man. And, you know, seeing you interact with Mikey, it, it just, every time I saw the two of you walking in the hallway or talking in the office, like it just brought a smile to my face because even when you, were holding him accountable for something that happened. Like, it was love. It was wrapped in love. It was clear that you had nothing but love for Mikey. I've never seen you interact with a student, and it wasn't the foundation of love. It might have been, listen, yo, you got to tighten up. I need you to be better. But it was coming from a place that you clearly loved them and only wanted the best for them. Um, And so, yeah, I'm sure that people have celebrated, you know, once you get to wherever your next destination is, like, will I include myself in this community now too? Like, we'll be celebrating with you again um, because, you know, I know for a fact that you have so much more left to give. um, And like you said, you have the energy to continue to serve. And so I'm just excited to see, you know, where this goes for you next and, and what the rest of your career looks like. At this point, you've already done incredible work. So, you know, it can only continue to go up from here, which is exciting. And so Stone, you know, we're, we're getting to the end of the podcast. Again, just thank you so much for coming on here and being transparent and, and just sharing your truth. What are some of the motivational thoughts that you want to share with the people? And so 
we talked before we started recording about this. And so this is stamping the learning, right? And so this is something you coach your teachers on constantly. Um, but what do you want to stamp from this session? What are the thoughts or the feelings that you want to share with folks to make sure that they walk away with it from your podcast episode? I would say stay hungry. Stay. This work is so rewarding it's just that paydays are sometimes far and few in between and so rob peter to pay paul but stay hungry um because it is so rewarding just before this call um i had a family meeting in which three of the student speakers were my students that i had taught in kindergarten and in fourth grade and like watching them get up there and speak as students who are about to go off to high school like that is rewarding like you know, and to know those kids' stories and like what they overcame and know their families, like just stay hungry because it also, for me, it does something for me. Um, and like, that's where I'm gonna be selfish a little bit. Like make sure it stays fun for you. Find the joy in it because there's so much joy in educating students and serving families. Like but you you do have to find it and dig for it. Um, and that's a challenge um, for you. And dang, I had me a good one stamping my learning. Man. Um, oh, don't take it personal. We ain't get on this. Um, but in service to others, you will be unappreciated because as, that's, that's what servants, we, we don't appreciate the folks who are serving us. And so it can't be about you. This work is bigger than you, bigger than your title, bigger than your degrees, bigger than what you think it should be. And so don't take none of it personal. Uh, remember who it's about. It's about the kids and it's about their families and ultimately the communities that we're impacting um, through this work. So... Don't take it personal. It ain't about you. It ain't about you, boo. <laughs> yeah, and I think that don't take it personal. I've had to start applying that to like my personal life too, because I tend to take stuff personally, man. It just is what it is. And you know, I've had to learn over time that, yo, know, even if it is personal, oh well, right? Mm -hmm. Like life goes on, you move forward. But definitely, when what you said about like service. It's so real. We take for granted the people that quote unquote serve us, right? Like mm -hmm. servitude is is a, a like it has a negative sort of connotation to it. And even when I first started in education, and like it was all around because I was AmeriCorps, so it was serve, 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 serve. Me too. I, I did like, AmeriCorps. Yeah, I citizen schools. I'm like, I'm not serving. Like serve. Like that don't. Nah, this is not a. I'm not a waiter. Um, but I learned overall what it means and to have that service mindset i would never argue against it but yeah man you know show teachers respect teachers show your administrators respect right like when you have somebody that's investing their time and energy into making you better respect that process take that coaching you know take ownership of your learning the same way you want your students to um because again we model for our kids what we want them to do and if we expect them to be successful we got to show them the way right um and so stone what are some of the the books or publications? What are some things that you've read or interacted with that have really helped you along your way? It could be professional, personal. I've had people share murder mysteries, nonfiction. Oh my God, murder read. mystery. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, it's funny you say that, Mal. Like you be so on point. This um book, you can't see it, More Than Enough by Elaine Weltworth. That really spoke to me as a black woman um, and not just professionally talking mm -hmm. about a black body in a predominantly white space, okay. but serving black folk. Um, she talks a lot about like imposter syndrome. She talks about like owning who you are, owning your blackness in spaces personally as well as professionally. And so I've read through it once. I'm actually doubling back um, through it because of some personal goals that I've set for myself this year. Um, she is a great read, a very, very great read. Um, I even started following the book on Instagram because there's like always like a live talk or something related to the book. 
and also educated. I have this book sitting over here. I just read it. This was suggested to me by our former math person, by Tara Westover. It's about a girl who basically was homeschooled all her life and didn't step foot inside of a school building until she went off to college. Yeah, and it just talks about, and it. I started reading it in the beginning of the pandemic and it's so, I think it's helped to shape and help me um, cope with not being in the building with my kids because we still have school. Our classrooms are virtual, our hallways are virtual. Um, but this is still school and school can still happen whether we in brick and mortar or um, over the Zoom airwaves. So those are definitely two books that I've read recently that have helped me to shape my mindset, refine my philosophy on education and being a black woman leading in this work. Yeah, and I feel like the testament of any good book, any good anything is you go back and enjoy it for a second time. And so that's awesome that you're giving yourself that second go round. Um, I got notes in this joint. I was like, go. wait, I got to write some stuff down. It is. And I'm actually checked that I haven't heard of it before, but I feel like there are quite a few black women in my life that are in a place where a book like that could be really influential. So um, I'm going to definitely check that out maybe give that away as like a gift birthday mm -hmm. gifts um you know mm -hmm. valentine's day is coming up my wife i'm like you know you wrap that up with some flowers this book though, oh, of course flowers. i'm gonna do flowers <laughs> some chocolate and a book you know right, yeah, right, right, mix right. it up diversify um, <laughs> but um but yeah stone so thank you for the book suggestions and so this is the component here where you get a chance to like just shout out your social media um or if you don't want to do that is there any social media you want people to follow or any work that you want to link yourself to i'll also post the links on the actual website and also the social media post for your specific podcast episode when it comes out but yeah any social media you want people to follow um uh, yeah you know i got a bunch of them i got uh ap stony uh that's for my children uh the follow me i'm not really active on there my um my personal one, though, is Stony underscore T. Um, and I also, in the pandemic, you know, I'm from North, I guess to speak to my North Philly side, I'm such a hustler. I started a hair oil business, Grow Juice Hair Oil, um, all on Instagram. So, yeah. That, I would expect nothing less, man. If you're not hustling, man, I'll be disappointed. Like Stone what are you doing? <laughs> I told you I ain't getting tired. Right. Listen, I actually feel like I'm getting rusty. There you go. Um, hair oil that's what's up definitely a, a link to the uh instagram for the hair oil and probably out yo so you see how terrible my hair looks a big reason why this podcast is all <laughs> is audio right now when i get the twist and we'll go multimedia but right now it's all audio um so i might even be placing an order just to, to make sure you know my hair is good man because at 35 it doesn't grow like it used to when i have my hair Yo, it's crazy. Like, this has been a year's worth of struggle growth. And I'm like, damn, I remember when I grew up back in college a year, I was like twice as long. So I was like, I need some help. So I'm about to get some hair steroids and get it popping again. Um, but right, Stone, right. listen, I appreciate you. Um, you know, I'm glad that we had the opportunity to connect this week to talk just about your career, about your life, about all of the things that you've accomplished so far. You know, like I always say, I'm excited too, but we're now in another hiring season. So we'll get another chance to work very closely together. <laughs> to identify. Back at it. Yeah, you know, we're going to bring you some more ELA folks and, and just really excited again to be able to speak to you today. I learned so much about you and about what you, just why you do the work that you do. Um, and again, just excited to see where it goes in the future. So any last words that you want to share before we log out? No, just thank you for providing the space because um, that's all a lot of us really want is just the space because, again, uh, we need each other. This tribe is necessary. And so I'm glad that you thought of my voice as being one that needed to be lifted up. Um, and I'm eager to hear the other voices that you bring to the table. You were real, you were real early on the list. I had you early. Um, hey. got, got to it now, but you were one of the first people that I thought of. Excited to hear feedback from your folks, right? Like the people that are close to you. What I found is that when people share these episodes with their family and friends, 
that people come back to them like, yo, I never knew. Like, I interviewed my mom the second episode, you know, and learned things about my mom. And Lord knows I've known her my whole life. Um, right. So it's just funny how you get a chance to really break things down and talk about them piece by piece that folks uncover aspects of you that they just didn't know that just helps them appreciate you that much more. So, you know, even hoping that you get a chance to share this with Chris at some point, right? And he gets a chance to sit down and learn about his mom's trajectory and the sacrifices that you had to make to ensure that he could make it into a really good high school and eventually go out into this world and command what he wants. Um, And so again, Stone, thank you so much for your time. This is another episode of the Third Lab Podcast. Each one, teach one, we all learn together. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Third Lap Podcast. This is your host, Mal Davis. Please visit thethirdlappodcast.com for more information about the podcast, about our guests, and also to see our reading list. You can find us at the Third Lap Podcast on LinkedIn and Facebook, at Third Lap on Twitter, and at Third underscore Lap underscore Podcast on Instagram. If you know anyone that would be great to be featured on this show, please reach out to our host, Mal Davis. He's always looking for interesting people to learn more about them and to talk about their pathway. Thank you so much again. Have a good one.